0: We are in the midst of Holy Week, the season where we remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in this episode, we're going to make an interesting connection between birthdays, death days, and the resurrection as a way of being reminded of one of the most important things in life that shouldn't just be at the forefront of our mind during the Easter season, but every day of the year. Hey friends, welcome to the teaching series. We're so glad that you're listening. This podcast is the audio version of our highly visual video series that you can find on our website, walkingthetext.com or on our YouTube channel at walking the text. You know, the Bible can be difficult to understand and that confusion typically happens when we read the Bible without understanding its context. Well, that's why we create resources like this to help you understand the Bible in its original context so that you can learn, love, and live it out every day. Brad Gray is our teacher for this episode today, and we know that with a growing understanding of biblical context, you'll be reading the Bible with greater clarity and confidence than ever before. So with that in mind, let's jump in. For the first time, In 73 years, Resurrection Sunday falls on April 9. Why should you care? Uh, You probably shouldn't, unless, like me, your birthday is actually April 9. And since the last time Easter fell on April 9 was 1950, and I wasn't born anywhere near 1950, I was born in 1980, this is the first time in my life that Easter falls on my birthday, or maybe better to say, my birthday falls on Easter. And that's just been really special for me to consider in this season because Resurrection Sunday is the greatest day of the year. I mean, Christmas is wonderful and all, but without the cross and the empty tomb, Christmas doesn't mean a thing. And so, in this season, we're all thinking about Resurrection Sunday. We're thinking about the newness of life. We're thinking about the death of Jesus, but also the resurrection of Jesus. And we get to do that in the midst of the springtime, where even visibly around us, we see that things are coming back to life from a dark and dormant winter. And so I've been thinking a lot about my birthday. I've been thinking a lot about Resurrection Sunday and the death and life of Jesus. But one of the things that we do do in this season is we do think about death, which can be very challenging, especially in light of perhaps certain circumstances that you may be going through and definitely I know that I've been going through. Uh, a few weeks ago, I got word that a friend of mine had just lost her father. And then not 10 minutes later, I got word that another friend of mine had just lost his brother. And then for those of you who will be uh, aware of this, is that last week, it was actually this week that, you know, we're recording this, but when this releases, it will be a week out. Uh, we had a, a nasty, horrendous, uh, horrific, shooting at a school here in the Nashville area where three kids and three adults tragically lost their lives uh, and the shooter did as well. And it has been a devastating week for us just grappling with death, grappling with evil, having conversations um, with your kids that you just don't anticipate having. And it's just forced us to think about death and also to be reminded of what hope we have in this season as we connect the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus to even our current events. And so I've been thinking a lot about birthdays and been thinking about resurrection as well as death, and one of the things that's really interesting is that, in the Bible, there are a couple of connections between birthdays and death. Um, And I just want to share with you just something that's been really helpful for me to think through and to process in light of all of these realities. So, some of you may be aware of this, some of you may not, but birthday celebrations are not attested to in the biblical story, or at least widely attested to. Uh, The Jewish people didn't seem to celebrate birthdays as if they were, you know, big celebrations. Um, Now, maybe they did, and there are times where the biblical writers don't include details about things that everybody knows about, and so maybe they did in some way, shape, or form, but it doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, What we do know is that they do keep track of how old they are and when they were born because we have all of these passages about, hey, when you are this age, you can do this thing and you can't do this thing until you reach this age. So those passages don't make any sense if people aren't obviously keeping track of how old they are. But they don't seem to be having like these big birthday celebrations on an annual basis. But we do have two stories in our Bible that deal with birthday celebrations. We've got one from the Hebrew Scriptures, the Older Testament in Genesis chapter 40 with Pharaoh. And then we've also got a story in our Newer Testament in Matthew chapter 14. We have a story about Herod Antipas, who was a son of Herod the Great and one of his birthday celebrations. And then you have the parallel story in Mark 6. Now, as it relates to Pharaoh, um, James K. Hoffmeyer, in his fantastic work, Israel and Egypt, um, argued quite convincingly that this actually might not be Pharaoh's birthday, but an anniversary of his coronation day, the day that he was made ruler. And as far as Herod Antipas is concerned, like that is almost certainly a birthday. So we might have two birthdays, we might have a birthday and the anniversary of a coronation day, But here's what we do see, that there is a parallel in both of these stories between life and death, and that is that on the day that people are celebrating either a birthday or a coronation day, someone dies. In Genesis chapter 40, on Pharaoh's either coronation celebration or birthday, he has his chief baker executed. And in the story of Herod Antipas in Matthew chapter 14, we have Herod Antipas, has John the Baptist executed. So you have this really interesting connection, sad, between birthday and death. And in addition to this, and these two instances in our Bible, There are a couple of other historical events contemporary to the time of Jesus that is not recorded, that are not recorded in our Bible but recorded elsewhere when you have a ruler who is celebrating their life or their rule and a number of Jewish people die on that day in conjunction with those celebrations. And so it's it's not hard to see why Josephus at the end of the first century and the early rabbinic work known as the Mishnah, compiled around 8200, talk negatively about birthday celebrations. In fact, Josephus says you shouldn't celebrate them whatsoever. And there's a historical context to it and you can see why they felt that way. Now, do I believe that we shouldn't celebrate birthdays? I think we should celebrate birthdays to celebrate life and to talk about and just bless that person on their birthday to be reminded of what they mean to the people around them and so celebrate enjoy birthdays celebrate the life that is there there is a historical context and setting to that first century world and the Bible never prohibits birthday celebrations but I do believe that there is a correlation between a birthday and death in the Bible that is helpful to consider. Uh, Even though it's painful and it's difficult and it's challenging, the Bible makes this connection and I believe it can be helpful for us as well if we think about it appropriately. And we see one of these connections in the book of Ecclesiastes. And this is a book that I have been ruminating on now for several weeks, just been reading it over and over again. And it's a it's an amazing work of Jewish literature. And uh, by the way, if you haven't seen the two videos that Bible Project did on Ecclesiastes, I highly recommend them. Um, One is on the overall literary design, very, very visual in that way. And then the second one is in a series on the wisdom literature that talks about Proverbs, Job, and Ecclesiastes in light of one another. And that's a very important connection most people miss is that those three books of Jewish wisdom literature need to be read in light of one another. Each of them come to life with a different perspective. And if you only focus in on the book of Proverbs, and you don't see how those interact with Job and Ecclesiastes, then you aren't getting the full picture of what the Bible is communicating about life and wisdom. And so check those out. It's very going to be very helpful for you if you're reading any of those three books of wisdom literature. But for me, as I've been just sitting in the book of Ecclesiastes, the, the design of it is just brilliant. It's just fantastic. And the way that Ecclesiastes is set up is that you have an author... And then you also have the words, the sayings of, in Hebrew, kohelet, which translates into our English as either the preacher or the teacher. And many scholars believe that this is Solomon. Um, Some other scholars think differently. But what you have here is you have the author who has the first verse in the book and introduces the words or the sayings of kohelet. And then the author comes in on the very end of the book, the last five verses, and ties things up. And what the author has done has arranged the words of Kohelet in between the first verse and the last five verses of chapter 12. And you see that the author has framed the words and sayings of Kohelet between time and death. Or you could say between life and death. And the work of Ecclesiastes is talking about what's happening in the midst of life from the time we are born until the time we die. And in chapter seven, the first verse, Kohelet, has this really helpful verse that I have been camping on in the midst of what's been going on in the season in light of my birthday. And at the very beginning he talks about good oil, and he's talking about the finest of olive oil, which was used for perfumes and was used for medicine, was used for a number of different things. And he just starts off and he says this, a good name is better than good oil. All right, so he's talking about the name. He's talking about reputation. He's talking about who you are. And then he says this, almost like out of left field, but not in light of the larger work. But as this first begins, it feels like it takes a turn, but it doesn't really. He says this, Better is a good name than good oil, and better the day of one's death than the day of one's birth. Better is the death day than the birthday. And you go, how morbid, right? I mean, that just seems like such a downer. But what Kohelet is doing here is he's doing something really fantastic even though it may be difficult to consider. is he saying that when you ponder death well, you will live life differently. You will live life better. And, and the rest of Ecclesiastes is all about life, and it's talking about all the many ways that we waste our life, that we spend our time and our energy on things that don't ultimately last. And when we aren't confronted with the reality of death, then we don't usually ponder well how we are living our life. And so when Kohelet says, better is your death day than your birthday, he is forcing us to consider what happens at death. What are the implications of that? And to know that nothing is guaranteed, that death can come to any of us At any moment. And so the question becomes, how are we living life today knowing that death is a reality that is to come? And this is why that in the midst of the larger work of Ecclesiastes, when the author jumps in at the end of the book, he ends the book this way. He says, "...so all has been heard. This is the end of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments." For this is the whole duty of humans, for God will bring every deed into judgment, every hidden thing, whether good or evil. And that's how, that's how the book gets tied up. And it's so helpful because in the midst of how do we want to live life well, the author says you fear God. You have this healthy fear and reverence of the living God of the universe, and you keep His commands. He wants you to live life well, and He has given you His words and His instructions on how to do just that. And in the midst of this, the writer reminds us that God is going to bring every deed into judgment. There is going to be a judgment. God is going to set things right. That when we find ourselves frustrated by the things that are happening in life and death and brokenness and chaos, like all of this speaks to a larger reality, which is it's not always going to be this way. God is going to make things right. And in the midst of recognizing how fleeting our own life is, when we ponder death well, we live life differently. We focus in on the things that are important. We pursue the things that God wants us to pursue. And ultimately in this season of resurrection and Easter, we are reminded that all will be made right because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and the empty tomb. And when we consider this idea that better is the death day than the birthday, that that is ultimately only true if our death day is connected To Jesus's death. That when we recognize that our sin and our mistakes and the things that we have done separated us from God, that it was only through Jesus Christ and through His death and through His resurrection that we have been made right with God, that we have hope in the midst of death, that we have hope in the midst of brokenness that runs rampant in our world today. And so our hope is found In Jesus Christ. And one of the things that Paul writes about in Colossians is he says in chapter 3, he says, Therefore, since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Uh, The language that Paul is using here and he uses elsewhere is that when we come into relationship with Jesus Christ, we are united with Christ and we share the same fate as Jesus in that, yes, we will all die unless Jesus comes back before that happens, but we will all die, but we will all be resurrected back to life. And for those who are in Christ, will be resurrected back to eternal life to spend all of eternity with Christ. And, and, but that means that our lives need to be connected with His life, that our death needs to be connected with His death. And that when we are hidden in Christ and God looks at our lives, He doesn't see our brokenness, He doesn't see our sin, He doesn't see our faults and our failures. He sees the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf so that we could be made right with Him, so that we could share in the same fate of Jesus Christ. And as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, that Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection that is to come. That just as Jesus was resurrected back to new life, never to die again, That happens for us as well as long as our death day is connected to His death and that we have been brought into the newness of life. And that is where our hope is found. That is what we celebrate. That is what we hold on to in the midst of this season. And it is out of that relationship with Jesus that we seek to live life well that we fear God, that we keep his commandments, that we recognize that salvation is not the end game in scripture, it's the beginning. It launches us into a newness of life and that through discipleship, through patterning our lives after Jesus, do we get to partner with God in what he is doing in the world today in order to bring about good, especially when we see so much bad in the world today. And so as you are navigating Holy Week, as you are thinking about the resurrection, as you even consider and ponder your own birthday, may we be reminded that our ultimate hope is found in Jesus Christ, that that's what we celebrate in the season of Easter. That is where our hope lies. But may we also recognize that Jesus is inviting us to live life well to pursue the things that matter, to join Him in what He is doing, that between our birthday and our death day, whatever time we have, may we maximize it, and may we truly focus and give our lives to the very things that ultimately last. Hey, grace and peace be with all of you this season. May, as always, you walk out the text well in your life.